0: and you're listening to
1: Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin Magedigan-Dumas.
0: We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport.
1: We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world.
2: And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. Hi,
0: everyone. Welcome back to Keeping Track. This is our season-ending episode, and we'll regroup and talk to you again in September. Today, we talk to Dalila Muhammad, 400 hurdles world record holder, Olympic champ, and world championship gold medalist, among other accolades. We talk to Dalila about her start in running, her ties to distance running, her amazing progression in the event, what kept her in the sport, and how she's handling this pandemic. We also talked to her about her mental approach to her seasons, like what her power words are, as well as representation and fighting for your value in track and field as a Muslim woman of color. Thanks for keeping track. Hey everyone, welcome back to Keeping Track. Here we are with our season finale episode. Um, Hey Ro, hey Alicia, how you ladies doing? Hey,
2: Rose, about to give birth. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks for sharing the pregnancy with me, guys. <laughs> We've had two babies on this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two that's babies. so
2: incredible. Is today your due date, cool.
1: Rose? And um, a few days, a few days. So I, I thought I had this impression that it's going to go early, but there's nothing happening. So, you,
2: did you have um, your first two
1: early? Uh, um, not really, but just kind of right around or a couple of days ahead or uh, back or forth or whatever. So I always kind of think it's an estimate, right? The yeah, the, yeah. the actual date is like really a few week period that it could be any time. So <laughs> I just don't want to book anything past today. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nose calls. And- even, <laughs> even this podcast could get a surprise <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> No, yeah, like, no. I hope
2: your no, baby doesn't come that quick. That would be very, life. very no, record-breaking.
1: That's not going to happen that fast, Molly. <laughs> oh,
2: that's awesome. Well, it's kind of <laughs> crazy that it is. Um, it's August. I think that that's just insane. It just feels like what happened.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs>
2: um, just to wake up and it's eight months into 2020.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and I have a almost six-month-old. And you it, like didn't even let anybody know you're pregnant, and now you're, a baby's you, and all of this has been within like the confines of everyone's homes, more or less. Absolutely. You know, it's we just
1: first kind of crazy. the first episode, Lisa. You were kind of like, oh, "I'm pregnant," so you told us you started <laughs> the train like the very first episode. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh.
2: laughs> I'm not gonna say anything about anything else, but no, we just know,
1: we started. There's, with a, there's
2: one individual. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: So ladies, what do you think? We've been doing this since October. We've been having babies, living life, running races. But what do you what do you have you reflected on season one? Do you do either of you have like favorite moments or favorite episodes or any? Thought? I think yeah,
2: I think it's kind of funny because I just remember when we were doing this Molly and I were having this conversation when we first started. And I was like, Molly, I can't take on another thing. <laughs> and I'm like, here I am. Um, He's <laughs> like, oh, it's easy. We're gonna, it's going it's like we just like got on this train. I'm like, I'm on this train. It's great. Um, but you know, like, but it's interesting because it's something that we wanted to do. We were both like, okay, let's do this thing. Um, but it was just, it's just funny because there's just like this. Ah, I want to do it, but it's this is a great time. I've got all this stuff going on. And it turns out, as is with everything in life, there's, like, never a good time for something good. You can't really, like, plan things like that. And I'm just so happy that I, um, I don't know, kind of made room for it, even in the weirdest way that it it happened. Um,
0: I feel like that's what's great about podcasts, though. Like, we aren't on TV. Like, it, we can kind of just be in our living room with some headphones and a computer. And it's a great outlet for whatever message or storytelling or, um, like light shining we want to do you can just kind of mm-hmm. do it so you can kind of yeah. wedge it into your life as you need to a little bit
2: yeah i mean the, the fact of the matter is there's topics that we could not um let go any further you know like we would have missed all of this these important conversations with all these um incredible people as they were happening if we would have like been like oh it's not going to work this year um, so yeah, you're so mm. right. It's, that's the good thing about podcasts. The thing that's funny is, uh, you know, when we talk about reflecting on the season and, you know, we're like, oh, how do we make our sound quality better with it morphing into our lives this way? It's not like we can actually do anything different besides have headphones and a computer.
0: <laughs> Never gotten better. We're yeah, gonna, yeah, like, sorry, guys. Week. We want we're to bring gonna... you guys,
2: yeah, we want to bring you guys, uh, conversations that matter and that we think you know, the, everybody needs to hear. And a lot of that is a, I just finished a run. I just gave birth. I'm about to give birth. I just wrote a book. I'm hosting a local race and I'm putting my headphones on really quick to talk to you guys. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see if yeah, only we, we were professional podcasters.
1: Yeah, yeah. We will work on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I think yeah. it's amazing that like we you know started with Nia Ali world champion we are finishing with Dalilah Muhammad world champion like I am as a sports fan like as a track nerd I am just like so excited <laughs> about these conversations and um, and yet there's like so much more than just the you know oh who ran fastest you know there's like so much depth to everyone's story and I'm really loving you know having this platform to kind of explore these some of these issues that don't you know haven't been represented or haven't gotten the discussion in the running world that I feel like they deserve so it's just exciting for me personally.
0: Yeah what would you say your favorite episode was Ro? I
1: don't know I don't know it's I think I every after every guest I'm like oh my god I love that person and I know (laughs) it sounds like I don't know if they would say the word hyperbole or whatever it is but, <laughs> um, I really do love when you know finishing the conversations I'm like where, where the time is up what I need to ask them more questions so it's really hard to pick a uh, favorites but I'm just you know there's when I look through the episodes you know we had Shalane and we have Emma Cobra and Lindsay Krause is like the second person we had on actually like the big one of the biggest news stories of the year last year with And Mary Kane and um Dawn Harper is always just her story her Cinderella stories just hasn't left me and then you know talking to Alphine and um going into CIM uh and talking to
0: um yeah that was our live show attempt (laughs) we'll try that again maybe next season (laughs) oh
2: yeah yeah Yeah. we can start planning it right now (laughs) um agreed yeah yeah and it's it's exactly what rose kind of alluding to it's i'm terrible with favorites we i we i shared that on the alley on the run show so to pick like a favorite i couldn't really i mean we had so many great conversations and for me I like asking the questions that everybody's dying to ask, but like, maybe like, should I ask this question? So that's been great. love that.
1: Yeah. That <laughs> um, great. Just
2: to kind of like pull that, that stuff out and, um, kind of chop down the illusion of what everybody assumes is happening or has happened and how, you know,
0: um, mm-hmm.
2: I think yeah. that's what, I mean, cause I know that about a lot of my closer, friends stories that there's so many ins and outs I'm like why don't you share that oh my gosh if people only knew and so um I know you asked a specific question about favorites but both Ro and I are doing a terrible job because <laughs> yeah the my favorite is all of them <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. very
0: diplomatic answers I'd say there's definitely been some I I'm kind of the same where it's hard to pick a favorite but some that are like more surprising like you would think the podcast would go one way and instead like it goes another way that's really illuminating or powerful like when we were talking to Alfie and she was talking a little bit about what it's like at home for women in Mm -hmm. her region of Kenya or um we were talking to Shalane I loved how Alicia asked what she thought about Nike because Nike's it's like such an awkward question but I thought it was a really great answer and a really great question. So, there's little moments like that where you're like, "Oh, I'm so glad that came to light." Like, and Don Harper's whole story, I feel like, was like that, where you're like, "I mean, we kind of knew the story, but I feel like mm-hmm. the reaction from the public was like, 'Oh, I did not know that's how that was going.' You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely some some twists and turns that were really um, impactful. But mm-hmm. so what do you what do yeah. you ladies think about um, who we just talked to, Dalila Muhammad, superstar, world record holder, Olympic gold medalist, and world champion?
2: Oh my <laughs> gosh! Well, there you go. That's what I thought of her. I think again, it's like this thing of accolades that we like. A lot of people get check marks if they're great people or not, you know. Um, But I think what I loved about Delilah is just her her sharing, you know, her mental journey in the sport and how it took her from, you know, and this is what I think about sports. I think in general, you know, when people look at athletes, I think that it is really important. This is the purpose of this podcast in a lot of ways is to kind of like dig a little bit deeper as to like where the person has been and where you see them now. It isn't so, you know cookie cutter of how everybody gets to a a certain place. And for Delilah to just, you know, note that there was, um, she had like a mental mind transformation, obviously mental mind, whatever, let's be as redundant as possible. Uh, (laughs) when it came to her not making the Olympic team at all, like not even placing in the final in 2012 to winning the gold medal in 2016,
1: um, not making it's, the it's, team, though. Not even making the team.
2: Right. Not even making the team. But she didn't Sweet. even make the final in 2012 for trials. For
1: trials. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Didn't she I say she placed, like, did she top say 50th? 50? Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. So,
2: like, not even a contender in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And just that she journey should. of... Yeah. Even when we talking about her childhood and being like, ah, oh, I just wasn't really fast for that. And then all of a sudden, it kind of clicked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like... I'd, yeah. I'd love to actually watch that story um too bad we can't get in the time machine and will actually physically watch that story and see what that actually looked like because sometimes people think they aren't something when they're like actually you're pretty good the whole time yeah.
0: <laughs> perspective they're like no i yeah. wasn't They're like no yeah. you had you had the sparkles of greatness in there
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and i'm so curious actually you know that she like could go from that like barely breaking top 50 at the trials and and kind of actually signing something that said that she wasn't going to make the team, which is kind of a psychological kind of, Component of it that woke her up to the fact that wow she wasn't going to make this team and then to be able to transform in four years to not just make the team but become Olympic champion it's like Mm -hmm.
0: how and the best ever in Mm the in the history Mm -hmm. of the world (laughs) like
1: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah two like two times over three times over how many times did she break her own record yeah Um, yeah so that's incredible I want Mm -hmm. people to listen there's so much more depth um, especially with You know, everything that people are recognizing has been happening in America for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And Mm
0: -hmm. I just,
2: I don't want to give away the entire um, podcast, but I I really, really appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And even on that, though, like we we kind of talked about um, a little bit about... um, you know, why isn't she the superstar name that, you know, if she has all the accolades, she actually is a model, and like what 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 else, you know, what else is, you know, why isn't why doesn't everyone know who she is? Um, and we kind of explored a little bit about that and um I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you guys have watched Michael Phelps' The Weight of Gold yet, but um Lolo Jones was featured on that again and um and she talks about, you know, how she was kind of put in the spotlight, and feels like she's kind of been kind of pushed aside now for Sydney McLaughlin. So these things that you know we kind of beat around a little bit on the podcast, talking to Dawn or talking to Del- Delilah, um, they're actually really real and like very tangible. And like Lolo has benefited in in some way. Like there is a, there is another factor that we kind of all see but it's hard to articulate how it happens why it happens why she's not getting the spotlight so I think it's it's was interesting for me to see Lolo kind of admit to that what did what did you see think of that Molly
0: yeah I watched it too she was very blunt with it and it was it was interesting because like we said Lolo benefits from that too but it's not even to do with the athlete like I would never hold it against the athlete who's getting held up it's like we said it's the system it's the Mm -hmm. way that marketing is Done for around sports around our In Olympians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the way NBC picks like four people, and they're your Olympians for twenty years, and they don't talk to <laughs> anyone else. It's like okay, Bodie <laughs> Miller again, love the guy, but like, can we please talk to Delilah? <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. So it's that's kind of what we were trying to like bring to light. Yeah,
2: yeah. and I I haven't finished um the weight of gold because three kids, <laughs> <laughs> but we've started it just to kind of. Insert myself in this conversation it's a great
0: topic (laughs) Um, topic. no and
2: totally I mean I'm interested I'm totally interested because I think I mean again you guys watched the entire thing but I just think this identity and this is again when I say I I say this all the time I say I don't identify as one thing because I've seen the weight that people have you know, tried to walk away from after they've made everything about them being a runner. They've made everything about them being mm-hmm. whatever they it's are, empty. some sort of, yeah. you know. And I'm that's terrifying to me. Well, and, in and our even
0: sport, if, you're rewarded for that too. You know, right. that that's part of what gets you better, better, better. And then you hit a point where you're like, oh no, like when the are kind of Yeah, it's yeah. kind of yeah. Yeah. And, yeah,
2: right. But even just like from a cultural standpoint, you know, in running culture. Everybody, you know, yeah, does applaud you for just being like, oh, you know, your clock, your time, you do all these weird runner things. You don't That's all you do, right? And I've just always been like, I am running so far away from that because it's just, it's kind of like a deadly combo. Mm-hmm. You know, who are you after this? And then you search for a really long time. Nothing else that you've added to your plate would equate to anything that um, is happiness for you unless you are able to be this yeah, person pursuing an Olympic team or gold, but even that happens to me all the time in mm-hmm. this state. It's like, you know, I, it feels like nobody cared for like the last two years to have any other conversation with me besides if I was going to go for another Olympic team. And that just mm-hmm. it just it mm-hmm. it does zero in a way. It's like I'm actually working on these other really cool things I really do like. Yeah. Um, that's something that, that could never happen, <laughs> but. You know, it's just, again, I don't think people recognize how heavy that weight is when you keep mm-hmm. only caring about that thing yep. for that person. And where can they, where do they go after that when you don't care about anything else you never have? I did mm-hmm. that with Lou's family. They would always be like, oh, did you run here? You know, or like some <laughs> sort of, I have to do that voice. It's just like, you know, like, um, and it's just is an internal eye roll and you're like, huh? And then there's sometimes where you're like, actually, I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because I do that. Stereotype true. Yeah.
2: I had to get to a point where I could share with them, like, hey, guys, I really want, we're family. I want to be able to talk to you about so many other things. And a lot of times when I come back to my family, I want, this is like a place first, like, to be a a safe haven where I don't want to feel the pressure and the weight of what everybody expects for my running that I already love doing to do Mm. for them. Yeah.
1: so um it's yeah. it's the shadow side of this kind of like tunnel vision like riding this wave of like an olympic dream or like anything like that people are like oh great and you feel good kind of going towards that energetically like riding that out but the natural cycle there is a crash of that and i think people are not looking at that and re- recognizing that, that actually is part of the cycle mm-hmm. and and um, when they talk about it in the in the in the documentary that this is kind of like side effects of being an Olympian or successful Olympian it's like okay if everyone knows that and they still buy into it there's a lot of things we can do to totally. stop that crash being so scary for people so vulnerable for people totally um, and you know we just kind to have to call that out a bit more like it's not just riding it one way <laughs> there is right kind of decline kind
2: This is also a lot of what I I think I I try to talk about in terms of like celebrating the whole person. When we look at Mm -hmm. sponsorships and them not just only caring about the performance aspect, yes, we understand this is part of the job, right? But then the other things like, how else can we support you to like do things that you want to do when this is all said and done. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it can come all crashing down for someone who they Mm -hmm. didn't expect for their career to end next, Mm -hmm. you know, week, if they Mm -hmm. have, um, some sort of underlying disease, a family issue comes into play, a career ending injury. There are so many things that can actually happen and have happened to people. Mm. And that's even that weight too. Like now who am I and what do I do? Because I was hoping that I was going to have this, this space of time. Um, hopefully this is not a situation anybody runs into ever again. I would like to also start a family. Oh, well, if you want to do that, that's also shelf life. Like Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just really think what companies can do is really do a better job of supporting the whole person mm-hmm. and, um, allowing there to be the space for ebbs and flows and room for other endeavors that they, that athletes, yeah. um, and I think it, looking to pursue.
1: Yeah. And the Olympic movement in general, or even the in national Olympic committees, right. I've, I've had like a lot of kind of done a lot of work with the Irish Olympic committee around that, and they're doing a lot around that with this kind of transition after, co- after college, after the Olympics and mm-hmm. support career services and things like that. Um, but I do, you do see that, you know, you feel like, oh, wow, well, my values and in, in running this like lap as fast as I can versus, you know, I am like a whole person and I have value outside of that. And, um, and that the more we can support, broaden people's identity and help athletes kind of see that what they do isn't who they are, then it's like wow they're in a lot more of a secure place so look this is a bigger topic and I can't wait to start diving into it a little bit more in season two yeah (laughs) Um, very close to my heart and mental health is a huge thing that obviously I work in um and with athletics in general so I do want to bring this topic up again in season two and um go towards it a lot more um but one thing on that, uh, one thing, other thing in that um, documentary, really quickly, was that there was such a lack of representation. We're talking about how important diversity is and how race matters, and that that, that documentary failed a lot, and in that in that failed badly. And so I have not seen the response from people to who watched it. But I have a response on that myself that I can't wait to share because I, I, I thought it was absolutely lacking in diversity, and I think that's shocking at this point. And totally. It, I yeah, 100% I agree. agree. It, was,
0: it was a great topic, and people like Michael Phelps lend a lot of weight to it, but you definitely could have talked to a variety of other people. And um, yeah. it, it was, like I said, the Olympic perennial faces of uh, poster the, the t- chosen. Children. The chosen five. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this and was mean, yeah. They're
1: having mental health issues, right? And they've been had lucrative careers. Imagine exactly. people who haven't had this spotlight. For people who have feel.
2: had medals stolen from them, mm-hmm. you know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. that's a whole nother side to it,
2: that's right? Crazy yeah, other I think side it
0: could there could it could have been deeper than what they did, but it was still a good a good topic. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll let you guys okay. check out Delilah's interview. I really quick wanted to direct people to our um newest merchandise, the visors on the website. <laughs> Check Love them out. Mine. We can't stop, won't stop with merchandise. And the proceeds for for these visors will go to Track Girls. That's with a Z. Um, and they are run by Michelle Lewis Freeman an Olympian, uh, wellness coach and relay coach for team USA and Jennifer Forrester. Um, it's an educational and community program. They do things like camps, um, and empowerment workshops for girls, and they are about sisterhood empowerment and track and field. So it's a great cause. Go get your visor and support track girls.
1: Absolutely. And rock that style, visor style. <laughs> <laughs> <In the club. laughs> I love mine so anyways thank you guys for listening this season and we will be back in the autumn and cannot wait I'm excited I'm buzzing so um yeah thank you (laughs) and and welcome any feedback you might have and also you know if you guys have ideas for topics or guests I mean we we haven't gotten close to the end of our list yet but we always love to hear from you guys and um yeah, if you have anything that we, we're we not going towards that you think we should be, we are all ears. So bring it on. Have a great rest of summer, ladies.
0: Like, rate, and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, for, okay. keeping Thanks for keeping track. Thanks for keeping track. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Keeping Track. We're here with our guest today, Dalila Muhammad. Dalila, you, yeah. might, you might know her as last year's world champion and she twice last year set the world record in the 400 hurdles um she's also the usa champ from 2013 2016 and 2017 and she has 2013 and 2017 silver at worlds and she has the olympic gold medal from 2016 so we have a pretty Whoa. legit guest on today <laughs>
3: <laughs> well thank you thank you for having me guys she's all right. yeah. <laughs>
1: World Woman of the Year. Yeah, World Woman Athlete of the Year in 2019. So that just kind of says it all right there, right?
3: Yeah. That's crazy. I think, you know, I was, well, I've been running for so long. And even when I got that, I'm like, how did I get here? Like, how did I end up in this position? So definitely was an amazing year. Um, Definitely a lot of accomplishments made. Um, Yeah, it was a good year. Yeah. Let's you.
2: talk about that. You you just mentioned, you know, you're not even sure how you got here. How did you get your start in the sport?
3: Well, I, well, I started running when I was seven years old and my first coach, my, um, yeah, my like club coach, he just, he would see me running in the neighborhood. And he just like would beg my mom, he like begged my mom for months for, for me to join the track team. And I, one day she said yes, one day she she took me down there and I've been running ever since
0: so what were um, you training for when you were running when you were younger were you just doing it for fun
3: yeah i was just doing it for fun i just loved running i loved racing i was you know like just street races in the neighborhood where race all the boys would win um until i joined the track team and then i was like in last place but because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i when i was younger I did distance so um he oh, kind of thought you know i wasn't fast enough to kind of be a sprinter so i did um cross country 15 800 but really like more
1: 15 runner wow that's i did not know that
3: yeah when
1: did you find your crossover from
2: distance to sprints and what was like the first sprint that like that you ended
3: up doing I remember one year, honestly, I just got a lot faster. That's literally what happened. I was like slow. And then one year, it just like clicked for me. And all of, all of a sudden, I can sprint. Um, <laughs> and I did the 100 and 200 at like JOs. Like I made it to like the JOs and the 1 and 2. I think I got eighth place though. So I made it to the final, but I got eighth in both of those races. But I think I was about 12 years old, like like maybe 13. Um, and what, and I just never did distance again after
2: that. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah, fellow, so, where did you, where did you grow up? I grew up in Queens, New York. Okay. Oh, Queens, baby. <laughs> Flushing Hospital, that's where I was born. Oh, um, I didn't
3: know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't get to claim it as hard because I'm, you know, moved before grade school. So got it, you know, I didn't um, I know that
1: i think there's no interest in yourself and nia ali both kind of ran good like distance times and you were kids like you guys are like
3: obviously you could do any event yeah so nia i always knew her actually growing up we never I don't think we were ever like really friends or really met but we I definitely always knew of her because she was like a little bit older than me and I definitely just watched her like you know at Colgate games and at the armory so I think she didn't even really remember me but when we got to USC but I remembered her. Uh, For everyone that's
2: wondering uh JO's is junior olympics by the way so what is
3: the qualification standards for junior olympics do you remember? I do not I think you just have to like maybe place in your region. Like yeah. maybe it's like a top three thing in your region um, yeah. where you can qualify. It could be even, I don't even know though. It's something regionals and then you can go to junior Olympics. Don't quite
2: remember. Yeah. That's where your parents just like bus you around everywhere. So you're like,
3: yeah, I guess we're I doing this. <laughs> it was such a good time though. Just taking those long bus rides. I remember we took one yes. from New York to um, South Carolina, even North Dakota. Like we were traveling all over the place. Fun. that's so fun that's so awesome. part of it
1: what was the name of your track club there
3: Novus track club and they're still running they still have like really good athletes actually
1: okay Does your do you, family still
3: live in that area or are you they like, do oh,
1: okay so you can go back
3: there and stuff. yeah i'm actually planning on going back maybe in a couple of days so i haven't been home in this whole during this whole COVID situation so i'm gonna get a chance to kind of go back and see them
0: yeah. yeah how how is training going right now like what approach have you been taking because i know when we messaged you you said you might be doing a meet and then you weren't doing a meet so like are you how are things going what what's your strategy well we've been playing
3: it by ear i think in the very beginning we were very uncertain and didn't know and my coach was like you know what we got to stay fit we got to stay fit and so we were working out hard but unfortunately we weren't able to get on a track so And for Mm -hmm. us, running on the grass is very, very different. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you can't hurt on the grass. So we were kind of having an an extremely extended fall training, I guess you can call it, Mm -hmm. Um, just running on the grass. And we did that for months, actually. And then finally, Mm -hmm. maybe like a week, maybe like two weeks, yeah, two weeks ago, we finally got on the track.
1: Wow, that's
3: (laughs) it. Oh, my God. So and at that point. we pretty much were kind of decided at that point, they already had the decision to like the meets where many of the meets were canceled. So we just made the decision to kind of end our season. So I did do a couple of like, well meets, but a a really a training session down at in Dallas, Texas last week and then I'm, and now I'm done. So I'm going to take this month off and then get ready for start preparing for next year.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. Tokyo 2021. Who would have ever thought that was going to be what we were saying now, right? I know.
3: Um,
2: There are a couple of things I wanted to just like really talk to you about. I think mindset is a really big thing. Um, You know, especially speaking amongst, um, speaking about the coronavirus and this huge curveball you've had Mm -hmm. where you've got to uh, now pivot something that you've been training for that already takes a lot of mind like melting. It takes a lot, of, um, a lot of energy from the mental capacity and mental side of things. How have you been able to, to just manage all of the mental side of, um, of your training and then you know that pivot from the goal being now to now moving from a year before that? And then also, can you talk a little bit about your history from the mental side of things and how you got to be a world champion, an Olympic champion and all of that and how it plays into now?
3: Yes, I can. <laughs> A very, very extended question. Now that, that where do I begin? But um, I think for me, I definitely started to realize as I that track was so mental, and I think um, we say that all professional athletes, but I don't think people really even grasp how mental running really is. And I always, I'm always the type of athlete that thinks it's so much more mental than physical. And if you can conquer that mental, then the physical will follow. And so I think for me, I've always kind of had that mindset. Well, not always, but as I became, well, as I progressed as a professional athlete, I started to really reel that in and take advantage of just being like mentally strong and really practice on practicing on being mentally fit. And um, I think ways that I would do that is just try to always turn something that was possibly negative into a positive and or just look at the brighter side of it and really focus on the things that I could kind of change and handle and leave the rest alone and so i've always well not always i've been practicing that for a while now so but even so when this whole COVID situation hit it was really tough i think all of us were just in my training group was feeling really unmotivated to to train um just having that uncertainty we never have been in this situation before i don't think anyone knew how to handle it so it was really really tough to just kind of getting that mindset and initially i think the best thing i can do is just show up every day and i was just like you know what this is all i have i don't know what the workouts will look like but step one for me is showing up and this is all i can give you right now so that's what i'm going to do and as i did that then i moved on to a step two which you know okay let me put some more effort let me you know hit these workouts a lot harder than um what i'm doing i think for me i for i said one day i decided that um a bad workout for me was going to be only doing what my coach asked so if he said he wanted 30 seconds in the 200s if i only did that for each every one, that would that would be what i would consider a bad day and i've kind of lived on that rule so for me i use that again for COVID. i'm like you know what yeah i'm having a lot of bad days right now but you know what i'm here i'm doing what's asked of me and I'm working towards, I don't know what the future is, but mm-hmm. I know one day we'll, we will have to race again. And once we kind of got over it, I think this, you know, this uncertainty and we started knowing exactly when these dates would be, started to change for me. And, you know, I, I kind of just took it back to, you know, you know i knew the olympics would be in 2021 well possibly in 2021 and there was this like this whole thing going around we're gonna have five major championships um back to back to back and i'm like you know what we always did that when we were younger and no one complained about it <laughs> you know the, the competition wasn't you know i guess on that level but every year there was nationals as a, as a kid and we lit for it we loved it so it'll just be Back to those days, you know, where we have to get ready for something, you know, every single year. I I imagine for the rest of my career, unless I run over five years, which I don't really see happening. But um, so, yeah, I've just been kind of changing it into, like, a more positive outlook on it and just kind of enjoying it.
0: So you're you're one of those athletes, if your coach gives you a time, that's, like, the minimum you hit. Like, you always want to be a little bit under that. Um, What – can you tell us a little bit about, like, the group that you train with, what women are there, um, and who your coach is, and what it's like at practice?
3: Yeah, I think we have a great group. So my coach is Lawrence Johnson, everybody calls him Boogie. Um, You guys probably know him by Boogie. And then I train with Brianna Rollins, now Karan Clement, Christy Caslin. We train with a Panamanian um, athlete, Jonna Woodruff, and I feel like I'm missing somebody. Oh, Jasmine Malone, yeah, she's new, um, fresh out of college. So as a small little group, but I think our dynamic is just really works well. We definitely have um, multiple, we all are hurdlers except for Jasmine, but we all kind of have our own strengths. Like I'm really good at the longer stuff. Brian is really, really fast. So it just kind of works together. I think it's a good dynamic of women and men.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's awesome. What did KC come onto the team? She's been here. So Coach um, Christie's actually been um oh you mean Quran or Quran, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we all we call Christy Casey, but I'm like Hi. I hear people say Quran, Clement, and I'm like, oh you mean that Casey?
2: <laughs> oh that one.
3: <laughs> no, he just came this year. So he made that move. Um yeah, he he wanted to do something yeah. different. So he's been Where with us all you? year.
1: Where are you guys based?
3: Los Angeles.
0: Oh, okay, I like how in the the Sports Illustrated article, a really good article that um, was written about you last year, they talked a little bit about your strength workouts. And I feel like it's interesting for the distance runners to read that because you'll do like twelve by four hundred and seventy, or you'll do like a mile oh, time yeah. trial in five minutes. And we're like, we know what that means, and we're like, dang, that's really good. <laughs> like you could run the <laughs> eight hundred. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: You know, well, think you know it's so funny because I always like watch like. Um, the athletes doing like their uh, their workouts and i mostly watch the distance ones like on youtube a lot of times they'll post it. i'm pretty sure i've watched a couple of yours actually molly um just like your <laughs> workouts and i'm always like so fascinated i'm like how are they able to hit these times like so much and I'm like so that's really where I draw my inspiration from to do these workouts
0: we could do 400s together that's about it
3: <laughs> and I think I don't know I think I watched you do like maybe mal repeats I'm like how is she hitting these times but even you Alicia so I'm like that's just I'm always like so impressed by that so I definitely try to incorporate that into my training and just for inspiration and I'm like you know yeah. what? maybe one day I'll get to a little actually faster Mal. but we'll see mm-hmm.
1: I love to see you do. Have you done an eight hundred like a proper
3: eight hundred? Um, not in a race. Not in a race in a really long time. Um, early on in this year, I did just. It was like at the end of our workout, and I I hit um two eleven, and I remember thinking like, wow, like after all of the things that I did today, I like I would love to see me like really train for the eight and Mm -hmm. do it. But I Mm -hmm. think those days are behind me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I um I.
2: The 400 hurdles, I think you know that Dalila is my favorite event. Um,
1: I love it too. I mean, I was yeah, like yeah,
2: the team. 2015 or I don't remember what year it was when I was down in LA and I had an opportunity to kind of train a little bit with, the, not like under the same coaching, but on the same track <laughs> <laughs> with Delilah and Lashinda. Um, yeah, that was remember, good times. It was good times. It was good times, but I was so fascinated with what they were doing and I was coming back from pregnant. So I jump in some of their workouts and um, I do think that a lot of the systems in the eight and four hurdles are that we need to stress and get better at are are the same. I mean, the difference for me is now I've got to figure out how to jump over. An uh, obstacles <laughs> in the middle of that. Um, I mean, and of course, it depends on the type of 800 meter runner you are, right? Um, I think, from my perspective, I saw a lot of similarities in some of the work that we would do. So, um, and the same aspect, I would, I like watch some of your guys's workouts, and I'll be like, oh, oh yeah, okay, I'm gonna do that. Oh, they're doing that over over hurdles. Okay,
3: uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember. I think you did hop in there once and over hurdles with us. <laughs> i did i did a 200 over here yeah a 200, 200. <laughs> she
2: killed it
3: she <laughs>
2: you i did i did it it was awesome but i just was like oh i definitely need to work on some technique over here because if i had to go 24 meters i'd probably break my ankle <laughs> mm-hmm. but anyway Lula,
1: how fast are you in the flats? stuff like what's your fastest 400 n- non-hurdles like hmm, 50.6 is actually
3: my fastest wow. I, I ran that last year so that was like my only four run really wow okay so, so and then know. on the relay but i don't think that really counts
1: <laughs> still that's like cracking you know you're knocking on that sub 50 right
3: there and that as yeah well. i definitely sense. would like to see that i never really get a chance to run them so maybe mm-hmm. one day
2: Fantastic.
3: um so Delilah. um
2: when we talk about like you know right now we're just having like girl chat i feel like <laughs> talking yeah. about running a little bit but I want to just kind of get back to the mental aspect of things because I think that there's something really important that talks about um, in just where we are right now in the world, um, people recognizing the um, importance of saving our mental capacity or doing our best to take care of our mental health. Um, but I want to talk about the current um, state of the world, I guess, with what people are saying. I don't want us to talk about it current because it's always current for... Um, mm-hmm for Black, Indigenous, and people of color, but I wanted to just say, I loved your what you shared in the Sports Illustrated article. And I don't think that I, I, I don't want this time to go by without us I'm having an opportunity to talk about it. Um, and I think there's something that ties into our mental capacity and our emotion and the things that, the way that we um, can channel, you know, things that we've gone through into something else. Um, I feel like I'm kind of projecting a little bit so let me ask the question my question to you is um, one can you share your sports illustrated uh, story with us again and then can you maybe tell us if there's any like emotional component to what you've gone through that also plays into how you pack that into um, your mental work as an athlete
3: yeah I think well the sports illustrated let me are you referring to like you know the one, um, uh, back off the, uh, back, what is it? Black off the track? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm sorry.
2: lavilla has been in Sports Illustrated multiple (laughs) times. I mean, the most recent one, um, Black off the track, uh, story that you shared. Yeah. About having to win, like your
3: only option is winning. We'll link that
0: too for anyone wanting to read it. It was really good. Yeah. So I
3: think, you know, I think as a, as well, especially as a black athlete, I think you always kind of, it's like this undertone to, to, not to running, but to anything that you do. And it's always something that you kind of want to not be the case. You kind of feel it like, and what I'm talking about is, I think Rye said it best and when he was just like, it always feels like you have to do more um, to receive less. Like you have to be twice as good to receive half as much. I don't know the exact phrasing that he used, but it was something on that level. And I think that's something we kind of feel as, you know, for me, I felt that as a professional athlete, but, it was always something that I kind of wanted to not be the case. It was just like, maybe, I'm, maybe I don't know, maybe this is not really the case. Maybe I'm just kind of overlooking it or maybe I'm not seeing things clearly. And I think for me this year, especially, it became very apparent that that was 100% the case. And I'm saying that because I think, mm-hmm. not to like tweak my own horn, but I've, I've kind of checked all the boxes as a mm-hmm. professional athlete. And when you've sure kind you of have. checked <laughs> all the boxes as a professional athlete and you're still coming up short and you're now you're in meetings with other people or when it comes to doing deals and it's like they're looking at you and they have absolutely nothing to say other than no, like and there's no explanation given. So when you're in put in, and I've been put into that situation so many times, but before it was always like, oh well, you're kind of okay, you're 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 kind of just almost there it was like kind of that kind of discussion that was being told or but it was like when i was there it was still like no but um with no explanation given
1: you took made like sponsorships and i was like
3: sponsorships and just on like major brand deals or like just in that type of world Mm with um in the sports and on the track and field side i think it was just more like the exposure that i was being given or Yep. I guess the recognition yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah.
0: Um, we have mm-hmm. done um a few episodes, I guess, dealing with representation. And I feel like for someone who set the world record, has an Olympic gold medal, has a world championship gold medal, has other medals, like you should be like on the Wheaties box, you should have ten contracts, <laughs> you should be on the cover of magazines. And I feel like we have to ask the question of like why are some people there and some people with the resume aren't there? Yeah. Like,
3: So a lot of it, I think, you know, just in track and field in general, I think as you age in the sport, you're actually not very protected at all, no matter what your race is. And that's certainly an issue that needs to be Mm -hmm. changed and it needs to be addressed. Um, We shouldn't say patriarchy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely. So that is another issue. But, you know, and I think so for me, that sense of this not having that exposure that a lot of people thought that I was deserving of, it, it just became more apparent to me of um, the racial aspect of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. so and then like the so the story that I told in Sports Illustrated was um, you know about a moment before my finals and um, okay. I, I, I haven't said his name up until his up until here so I guess I'll just keep it that way but he's just like he says to me someone that I'm very close to says to me that you know you know you have to win this and it was just kind of like put into like, you know, perspective, all the fears that I already felt being like, you're, this is your, you're validated in a feeling the way that you feel. Mm. Um, and it, and it just, it just mm-hmm. bothered me truly because I think, you know, we all just kind of accepted and it wasn't a lot. And I'm thinking mostly, I think people want to fight it. I think a lot of people just don't know how. Um, We all have our own reasons as to why, our personal reasons as to why we may stay silent and um, about these issues. And that moment for me is like, I wanted that person to fight for me too. But at the same time, I know he has his own reasons as to why he can't and he just has to follow these rules that are given to him. And that's Mm -hmm. literally the end of it and it just was Mm -hmm. was one of those moments well one you don't want to hear that before you are about to run a final (laughs) it's It's actually quite
1: threatening to hear right it's like do or die kind of thing and a lot of people actually crumble under that pressure but like thankfully you you?
2: right what what i'm hearing is it's it it's like a, a fight or flight right yeah mm-hmm. in, in most instances if somebody throws something like that at you right before you're racing um a very important race that is do or die um it is something that ultimately can crush your spirit It's something that can
1: mm-hmm. pull the Shut energy out of your body yeah. but
2: in your life instance it is truly do or die it is like by way of you know the means of your upward mobility of what you're going to be able to afford should you win or lose this race. And I think something I'm going to just say, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Delilah, I think one of the hard things about being a black athlete, um, is again, you know, people suspecting you're pulling a race card, um, for certain reasons, um, or, you know, not getting what you deserve. Delilah, you are facing, um, racial injustice as a black athlete, you are facing colorism as a dark black athlete. You are facing ageism as an athlete that is not freshly out of college. Uh, do, do you mind if I um, ask how my old age exactly no, you are? of course, yeah. I'm 30. Yeah. So you now you're on the up uh, you're not the twenties, which ultimately for our men it's like, woo, we can celebrate until they are 40 and beyond, you know, but for our women, the the patriarchy that is up against us is so much validated by the way that we look and what presents as marketable on again we talked about this in our runner's world article marketable by whom wants to have us pasted on their wall um and that's just disgusting like you know that's just what we are facing so terribly in women's sports and it trickles down and the more layers you add to it the worse off you are, regardless of your performance and how amazingly beautiful you are in your skin. It's this Mm -hmm. patriarchal American idea of marketability on a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm saying that because I feel like we need to continue to lift um, each other up. I wanna be able to lift you up in that. And I can sense like we skip around telling those pieces of our story and saying like, oh, well, you know, For everybody that's listening Delilah is you know she we talked about her athletes she's in the 400 hurdles she is the one of the um most black athletes like in terms of the spectrum of shade um there and in america we tend to glorify the lighter people are and this is nothing to say with anybody else's performances but um, from what I've watched in Delilah racing and continuously putting herself in a position to win and to press forward, it does appear as if um, America's really wanting a, a version of her that is um, more like the American-esque dream, which is wider. And so, um, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. It kind of
0: is similar to the Don Harper, um, yeah. Nelson, Lolo Jones dichotomy with you have Sydney McLaughlin right on your heels, Delilah, but Delilah has the world record and she has the gold, two golds. Mm-hmm. And so it does seem like the marketing is tipping more towards one person. And I feel like you do have mm-hmm. to ask yourself why. Why is it one person over another, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um like we always say so, you, you want it to be a meritocracy in sports and sometimes it just doesn't look that way and you have to ask who's in charge and why <laughs> so i feel like that i feel yeah. like yeah delilah have you ever thought about that and do you feel that as far as like where the attention flows sometimes i mean of course
3: it's it's just it's 100 percent obvious i think you know where the attention flows and that's a given like i don't think there's any discrepancy anybody would say anything different um you know me and dawn are actually really close and you know just hearing her story i'm like this is literally the same story that's being told and mm-hmm. um and we have so many similarities um and it's just one of those situations where you're like how is this able to year after year to continually be the story to continually be the case And it feels like no one's doing anything about it. And we can only do so much as athletes to try to make that change. I think for me, that's been my motivation this year. What's been fighting, what I've been fighting so hard for, when you talk about this idea of, Fright or flight is like, yeah, that's the option that was given. That's the only option that's been given. So you either show up and you do it or you don't. And mm-hmm. and, that's, and then it's the next girl's problem because <laughs> there will be another after me um, mm-hmm. and it'll be the same situation. So how can you make this change? So I'm I'm thankful, I think I've said this in Sports Illustrated too, to just kind of see this change kind of taking place of women just wanting to empower other women and other mm-hmm. people noticing it. Um, athletes speaking out on it and trying to make change Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think this it shouldn't be the case I think too often we see that being the case for black athletes um we obviously we saw it with Dawn I think Alicia you have felt it as well and especially just feeling like you have to be the best or you're forgotten about and sometimes like I think it was I want to make a point too because you said you mentioned something about people kind of playing this like black card and like things like that, and I, you know, I don't want to put out the website, but there's, like, a major track platform, let's just say, and I remember just after I broke the world record, them following me on Instagram, and I know that's, like, whatever, they can follow if they want to follow, but I just kind of had that thought, like, wow, I was the first American to win the Olympic gold um, in Rio. I've been on the top of the 400-meter hurdles since then, and now you're following me, and so it took a world record for you Mm -hmm. to follow me, or for me, for you to even notice me, so I think it's like things like that where you're like, no, I'm not, it's not I'm not crazy. Like yeah. this is not and something just, that's in my head or a black card that I'm trying to play. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And for
2: people that are listening, just to understand, you know, what we are talking about as four athletes having this conversation, the reason we talk so much about our visibility is because that ultimately it takes care of our finances. It takes the care of how we're able to live. We this is our nine to five plus seven hours. Um, I think people don't recognize that this is our office, this is our work, this is what we are paid to do. And ultimately we're not, um, you know, we don't get in our cars and we don't drive into, a, you know, a, to a cubicle or anything like that. This is our cubicle. And this is what we need in order for us to thrive. This is our promotion um mm-hmm. and yep. you know the the barrier that's placed up against us in order that's um not allowing us to be promoted is only based on our perp- uh our appearance and not on our work which mm-hmm. every other job will get promoted based on the work that they
1: present mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah that's think, and that's really uh, good point sorry Go ahead.
3: No, I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely. It's like, I I always see people like, oh, well, women can get promoted on other things. And it's like, yes, this is true. But when you, you should also like being at the top of your sport should be like a no brainer. It's like, Mm -hmm. how would you feel being at the top of your job and being told like, for number one, you make a lot less than the person that's, you know, spots down from you. Like, so it's Mm -hmm. just...
0: It's crazy. Well, not to (laughs) mention who's watching, too. Like, you're a representative, like, at the very top of, you know, being a black woman, a black athlete. You're also a Muslim woman and a Muslim athlete. Mm -hmm. And for people to see that, like, it's important for other people like you to see that and see Mm -hmm. your success and be encouraged by it. Because you you don't see it. I mean, I know you don't want to, like, lead with that. But it is a part of you as an athlete. And um, you don't see a lot of, I feel like, Muslim athletes – Uh, at your level, certainly. And so it's all it's important to put you more in the forefront. I feel like, Yeah. yeah,
3: you know, I definitely think so. It's just for me, I think what's crazy about it is, it's never that I was ashamed of being a Muslim, but I didn't, I never really said it because I didn't feel like I looked the part of a muslim and it's like for me to even though i know that i've I've, obviously i grew up muslim i practice islam and for me to feel that way it's like even i became somewhat brainwashed as to what i was supposed to look like what i was supposed to be um doing and not realizing that the there's so many women that look like me that are muslim and that, that probably feel the same way and it's like wow we can like I'm a Muslim woman like I, this and this is me and, and just being fully accepting of that. So it, it took me some time even to kind of break this stereotypical idea of what a Muslim should look like. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. this is me and I see so many more people um, that look like me or just that don't cover up completely that are, you know, thriving.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Delilah thank you so much
2: for sharing all of that and really just giving our our listeners some insight. I think the more we share those stories and um you know help put all of the things that make us us into um a body that people can see like you know Delilah all of the things that that um are your identifiers are important and it is important for representation um especially when it comes to the the future generations having footsteps to follow and knowing that they, um, belong in, in these spaces. And this is what we're talking about. This is what we talk about in sport in general. One of the things that I think, um, confuses me is also like this idea that there's not enough room for everyone to have an opportunity to succeed, especially in sport. When it talks, when we talk about marketing, I mean, I feel like the more bodies that we put out there that are doing great things, the better. Um, especially, when we talk sport and talk about exercise and people wanting to see that and it's motivating for people to see that, um, it just is, is it's absolutely confusing. Do you th- do you see yourself, um, stepping up against competition, obviously being the beast that you are, but afterwards being able to encourage and uplift your competitors, or do you feel that, you know, the environment just gets so sticky and stale because of, you know, how we are pitted up against each other
3: yeah absolutely i think you know we always want to be encouraging to the other athletes i think so you know honestly and i'll just be brutally honest i think i kind of was that kind of athlete like i just had to be the best and that was that for me and just and i think as you get older and as you start doing it more you just know that's just not the case and those things like it just it matters so little bit to be honest and it's just and so me today i'm like i i love to see other women doing well and to just didn't want to encourage them and feel like it's always our time I mean it's always someone's time and to embrace it when it's not your time and that that I'm able to do now and so uh, we put too mm-hmm.
2: much
3: um, energy on j- just the winner and that being alone I um, obviously you want the winner to be recognized and celebrated but it's we have to celebrate all the, all the women that are working so hard because honestly yeah. I think you all know how hard it, it is to to run track and field to come to do something that literally hurts and do it every single day.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think you're so right about that. As you get older, you kind of see a little bit different. It doesn't mean that, um, I think there's this, people think that it's one or the other. It doesn't mean that you can't also be competitive and yeah, exactly. you, you know want to win and rip heads off, but it does also <laughs> mean that you can also, you know, be like, that was a great job. Good job you did that instead of like, oh, you know, wasn't me like you're you suck
1: (laughs) no I know but I feel like
2: that's like the environment that is like either or you can't be competitive and uplift women at the same time and I
0: feel like Um, you need to see almost how it's done like I remember coming out of school and being like oh I like how she's like this like I'd look at someone and I'd notice that I'd be like oh this girl like she can do like be a killer on the track off the track she can be your friend like I like that like I remember being like like totally that's how you do that and then um I feel like it's harder like I feel like now you see it more publicly and like you see it on social media with some of the women's groups but before I feel like it was something you had to figure out you had to be like well I don't want to do this alone so like how do we do that together yeah it's almost it's
2: almost fed to you I remember Mm -hmm. you know my coach who who I love but
1: he
0: would
2: just be like, "There can only be one queen bee," and I'd be like, "No, I really want queen
1: Winners. I really need more in the hive. I really do." Uh, anyway. Lila, can I ask a tracky? Can I ask a tracky question? we guys just want to jump in before we run out of time. If that's okay, um, your race last year—well, a couple of races last year where you broke the world record—and then to put it together again at the World Championships in Doa, pull off the win with the world record even with that kind of threat in your ear of like you have to do this or else um talk about like is that like a was that like a perfect race for you like how do you come out of that and go yeah you know there's still room for improvement there like that you know like in in theory i mean the 400 hurdles last year men and women's was just lit it was amazing it was so fun as a spectator to watch and Um, it really took off as an event in 2019 and curious like how do you build from that like uh, can you see flaws in that race can you like still want to run faster after that um
3: yeah (laughs) I'm gonna give like the worst answer because the truth is I don't know and I think um you know I think 51 is definitely possible I've said that before and I feel like I've run that time at practice like just being at that speed or being where I need to be at more so than that race at the eighth hurdle to 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 run 51 seconds so I feel like I've done it like multiple times kind of at practice and so but when you do it at race day it's completely different because there's so many other factors and there's you're competing now and you're trying to win more so than Mm -hmm. you're trying to run a time so um there was one flaw in the race that I well two flaws for sure the start wasn't really good um, I start. I had the slowest reaction in the entire field, um, so that's some some time right there. And I had to reach for the eighth hurdle, which. Um i wasn't really expecting because that on that track especially like it's kind of almost perfect for the 400 hurdles on the doha track um in terms of just the the turns that like we'll find as a 400 hurdle you start to notice just when the turns are slightly different if they're slightly wider slightly more narrow and i think that one is honestly pretty perfect for me so i think i was expecting to be like right on but i had to kind of reach for that hurdle so if i didn't have to reach i feel like that could be some improvement there but um I really don't know. I think, you know, I'm just hoping my coach has the answers and following his
1: lead. Brilliant. brilliant. And I yeah. watched an, an interview you did where you said, um, that your word for the year was compete. And, um, we talk about like, when you look at the word root of the word compete, it means like come together to seek. That's actually what I mean. So, um, I don't even know if you know that or you probably do, but, um something about like the rivalry with sydney like do you feel like that even though you know you guys are rivals that it does kind of help you kind of get to another level like does it feed your own kind of drive and in a performance boosting way or you know are we you're already doing it anyways like
3: You guys are going to think I'm, I think people always think I'm crazy and I don't tell people this, but like, (laughs) I like envision the entire year, like how it's going to play out, like what can go wrong, what can do this. And that's how I come up with those words. And that's like something like, I kind of always been in my life. I've been that type of person kind of just follows like that energy and that path that just drives me forward. And for me, this is really crazy, but I had the vision of both of us coming over over the tenth hurdle at pretty much the same time and it' was just like you have to and that's where that thought that of compete came from It's just like compete to the very end to the to the line. like don't don't give up, you're gonna have to fight to the finish line. so and that just, you that know, just meant yeah. so much on a crazier level than I even thought possible you know I was just thinking about the race, but it literally played out that way the entire year on so many different aspects, like we were talking about even racial aspects. And Mm -hmm. it was just like this idea of never giving up and Mm -hmm. finishing fully um, and seeing something through. So that's what I meant when I, that's where that word came from. And that's kind of how I do it every year. I kind of think about it. And a lot of times it's kind of crazy enough, like these visions kind of come true, (laughs) but you know, on a greater level than I even knew
1: yeah that was yeah that's
2: amazing. so incredible okay i need you to read my palm after this
3: <laughs> um, i, like to tell my I sister. Wondering also just like huh i like to tell my sister i'm like i can see the future like people don't believe me but she's the only one that believes me <laughs> okay
2: i'm gonna call you after this i'm calling you i need to know some things i'm trying to figure out what i'm doing um I just you're talking about this word i'm supposed to ask you one more question but i actually have Two. I'm going to do it fast. Um, tw- <laughs> your word in 2016. What I saw was you literally attacked every single hurdle in 2016. What was your word then?
3: Man, I, I, it actually was something on that line. Oh, man, I don't remember. It was something you on that it. line. You killed it. You were literally like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And <laughs> became lucky. Oh, actually, lucky my, lucky. no,
3: it wasn't. You know what my word was? And this is crazy, but my, my word for 2016 was yes. Yeah. Mm, Anything that worked for track and field, even if I agree with it or not, I was going to say yes. And that's that's mm-hmm. literally that was my word. My word was yes. Like, you want me to do this? Yes. Is this you want me to come move this crazy? M- like yes. That was my answer was yes. We're trying to build okay. Oh, <laughs> okay,
2: build okay. Oh, I can see that in that attacking those hurdles. Just every last one of those was literally just an attack. If you guys go back and watch that 2016 race with Phila the, in the women's 400 hurdles, she literally said yes to every last one of those <laughs> yeah. coming up against. Yeah, her. So. we should post you know all your races
3: though, because uh, just a really quick like that year like I went through like so many coaches it was just like if it wasn't working it was no and if it was working yes so it was just like a crazy year to come off of two bad years and track and field since and then to to win an olympic gold and yeah,
1: that's that amazing. just sounds like a dream come true to be an Olympic champion, world champion, world record holder. Like the expectation would be that like you're set, you're like a legend now, like you are anyways. But I'm just like, you know what, the reality when, you, when I hear you're like, oh, and I'm still getting no from contracts and sponsorship opportunities. It's just like, that can't be the reality. And are you saying that even after all of that, it is still a reality that, you know, you're not. Getting the platform and the visibility that like anyone should have for with your success,
3: I think you know it definitely is turning around. I think more people are taking notice and more people are wanting to make change, which I definitely do notice. Um, I think you know it's it's not quite where it needs to be that by any means. So. Um, It's still definitely a fight that needs to take place. Um, but I do, I will say that I do see things somewhat coming around. I just hope it continues for generations after me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to just say, even if you do say yes to me, I think real changes need to be made going forward. Um, it can't just yeah. say yes to you and then the, the next time it's the same situation. Like, so, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we see mm-hmm. that change being happening. Um, I remember Kendall Ellis, I just saw something of her talking about how difficult it was for her to get a contract um 400 meter runner um number one i think she has yeah. a collegiate record maybe indoor record and and it'd be difficult for her to get a um contract like that's ridiculous mm-hmm. so yeah we need to see those true changes being made
1: systematically mm-hmm.
2: i 100 yeah. agree with you yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Totally.
3: so i'm gonna
2: ask you just two more questions i swear
1: <laughs> um we love doing this like <laughs> but, uh, rapid at the end no I love you you <laughs> um,
2: With everything that you know we've talked about today and you know in our previous podcast we've, we've obviously noted you know the problems of uh, appearance being can't not being able to or the problem of appearance being, How women are able to be marketed and how we're able to make money, um, which is ridiculous. But one of the things I kind of want to ask you is, does this make you think at all about Other things that you'd like to also be doing that you also want to share during your career that you can basically create a platform for people to look at now as you transition off the track when that does happen because that is something that will happen whether it happens in four years eight years you know 10 years it is something that will happen and what are those interests that you have
0: i mean
3: right now it's definitely these this i don't even know it's a racial i don't even know what word to use to to say. Um, to describe. I definitely want to put my voice, I think my main goal right now is to just put my voice out there more and to to have my story be told. To I think that we have this idea that if you're on top, like everything is perfect and mm-hmm. your, your life must be great. And that's just so not the case. And just talking to other athletes, men and women, I, I see that. I'm like, what? I thought you had this crazy... Um, contract or whatever maybe not even referring to their contracts but and then just being like they're looking at me like no Did you did you really think that? I'm like, yeah, because you're, mm-hmm. you know, three times world champion like and <laughs> Yeah, and so perception I think we have to yeah,
1: yeah
3: get over that perception of like what we think and stop. Um So I definitely want to just put our voice put my voice out there more. I think that's my immediate kind of goal Um and just um be for change so that's definitely mm. the goal
1: I wouldn't mind but like I and mean, I don't want to go on about appearance but you'd like kind of look like a model to me like do you ever do any modeling
3: <laughs> well I am I like well, fashion
1: things like that yeah
3: I, I have in the past I, I'm actually signed with Ford um okay. so so some things should be coming up with that you know so that's exciting definitely a new change in life I'll be going heading to New York um like in a All week or so, and do it. some things with them. So that'll be fun. Good. <laughs> minor, <laughs> for, minor, minor
2: detail. Guys. Minor. And a little. I remember talking to you. You know, you're you are into fashion. You are into fashion design. Um, and so I, I look forward to you know whatever it comes up you know, with that in the future. Yeah.
0: Um You're, but, I have sidebar, you know, Delilah's Instagram. She has the cutest outfits. You guys got to go look if you like fashion. Fashion inspiration. Style me, please. I mean, you can style me. I
3: please. so funny. I get that from oh, Georgia all the time. <laughs> that okay, can perfect. Be um,
2: well, you know, we thank you for your time so much, but you know, we want to let you know the purpose of keeping track podcast is to better tell the stories of women in sports. You know, we are completely underrepresented in so many facets and so many arenas. Um, what are some parts of your story? And I know we asked you a lot of questions that doesn't get asked that you would like to share with our audience.
3: Oh man, (laughs) you know, and I think, you know, for one, let me just say, I really do love you guys. This podcast. I'm pretty sure I've watched, listened to every single episode. So I've been a fan, a true, true fan. Um, and so I think, you know, you guys do an amazing job of just getting these, our stories out there. So congrats to all of you for just doing that and giving us that platform. Um, for my own story, I think, well, it gets asked sometimes, but I don't think people realize how much I've truly struggled and how much on what this crazy journey has looked like. Um, I never won like NCAA, um, NCAA title. I came out to california you know what crazy enough i just um there was this one instance where in 2012 where i had to i, was, I did a commercial i will auditioned for a commercial and they asked me like in the commercial was for the olympics they were like you have to sign that you are not going to make the team and for me that like really and i'm like man i can't sign this like i'm i'm running trials in a week and i was like you know what you know you're not going to make it like but it kind of just mm-hmm. put things into perspective of me not reaching my goals. And that really changed um, my outlook on life, my mental health, and just me really focusing on track and just making those necessary changes. And crazy enough, I got the commercial and that really jump started my professional career because I had a little change in the pocket to be able to afford to live in California. Um, no. So it's just like, it was like a crazy kind of, you know, you know, and one And did thing you make
1: a team? Did you make I the team?
3: No, I didn't make the team in 12.
1: Wow, and then you won in 2016. Yeah, and then won wow. in 16.
3: So I think I was 50th in the Olympic trials in 2012.
0: Wow. Whoa. Or something, or something crazy
3: wow. like that. And then <laughs> first. So it, it was just like a crazy turning of events that I don't think our true story, my true story, kind of gets out there as much as they kind of glorify which I I love that they glorify the accomplishments but it's been a long long journey mm-hmm. I
1: not know what was it like you know you talk about your mental approach to like 2012 or like kind of knowing okay where I'm at and then being able to like sh- sh- like grow so much in four years that you're able to take the Olympic title not just like make the team and be like oh I have to learn how to do this and Nick, like, you actually took it and like took the win as well was it, were you just a different athlete in those four years?
3: I think it was just the mind change. I think when I was, you know, going through college, when you're having your downfalls, I think you take it as, oh, you don't want to do it anymore. And I think I've had this attitude of, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. This is why I'm not doing good in track and field. And it's just like, in that moment, it just put into perspective for me that that wasn't the case at all. And I was mm-hmm. upset or with running because I wasn't where I wanted to be. And it's like making mm-hmm. that connection of, it's not that you don't want to do it. You're just not where you want to be. And that is, that's so simple. and so small. But it really changed the projection of where I wanted to go and the amount of energy I was willing to put in to get there. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Wow. Lula, we're
0: all we're so inspired by your story. Um, we definitely want to see you on the Wheaties box next year.
2: Um <laughs> and I want an autograph.
0: I want an autograph and
2: poster. I yeah. wanna see <laughs> I wanna Lula, I wanna see you in wherever you wanna be. I wanna see whatever you're putting oh, out you. forward. I want to see the products <laughs> and the line that you do. I want to see your business thrive. I want to yes. see the little on I top. I appreciate it. I really
3: do appreciate that. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thanks,
0: Thanks for talking awesome. to us and we're rooting for you next year. And yeah, hopefully, We'll see you back on that podium, Tokyo 2021. Yes. Thank Thanks you goes. so much for keeping yeah. track. <laughs> well, we'll be on the team together.
3: Let's hope, <laughs> right, Molly?
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'll have to go over and interview you guys after. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lily Thanks, guys. Bye.
3: Bye. See Bye. you guys. Keep trying. Keep trying. So, Keep tune. Keep tune.
0: I did know the track track. 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 Major shoutouts to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see,